and thank you for listening to Okanagan Queer Story, a podcast about the queer history of the Okanagan and the people who have lived through it. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded and traditional territory of the Okanagan sealed people. Throughout this podcast, we may refer to different spaces and places, sometimes by their colonial names, but we recognize and acknowledge that the land on which we are situated is Indigenous land. My name is Donna Langell and I am your host. Each week, I will talk with someone who identifies as 2SLGBTQIA+, and who lives or has lived in the Okanagan. Okay, it's recording, we're good. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Laisha, for that wonderful introduction. And hello, everyone. My name is Donna Langell, and I am the host of the Okanagan Queer Story podcast. The Okanagan Queer Story podcast is a podcast about the queer history of the Okanagan and the people who have lived through it. So today is a very special episode because we are recording live for the first time. Uh, for this event called Pride in Place, Historical Representation of 2S LGBTQIA plus communities in the Okanagan. And I am joined by three special guests today, uh, Susan Armstrong, Madeline Turbasket, and Don Tucker, uh, to discuss how the lived experiences of the historically underrepresented 2S LGBTQIA plus community can have more pride in place in local museums, archives, and other cultural institutions. So we have about 45 minutes for our conversation today. And then at about 7.45, we're gonna stop the recording and um, have about 15 minutes for uh, a question and answer period with the audience. So uh, before we dive into our conversation, I'd like to introduce our guests. Um, so Susan Armstrong from Armstrong has been, <laughs> <laughs> has been an on and off again resident of the Okanagan since 1992. She was an active volunteer with and board member of the North Okanagan Gay and Lesbian Organization, which is also known as No Glow, um, in the early 2000s. Susan has been an out lesbian therapist in Vernon and provided training to organizations on providing safe, informed, and relevant services to our community. She is currently a volunteer with Vernon Pride and a board member of Armstrong Pride Society. Uh, Dawn Tucker is a proud born and raised Vernon resident, an educator, urban beekeeper, dog owner, and a community advocate. They were recently described by the Vernon Morning Star as a community conscious citizen who isn't afraid to <laughs> challenge local politicians or question policies. And Madeline Turbasket is a two-spirit performing artist. They grew up in the beautiful Similicon Valley, and they now reside in Penticton. So thank you so much for joining me today on the Okanagan Queer Story podcast. Uh, so my first question, and uh, I think we'll start with um, Susan, and then go to Madeline, and then go to Dawn, and we'll kind of go in that order um, through all the questions. Um, so the first question that I have for you, um, and it's a big one, <laughs> why is queer history important to you? specifically within the co context of the Okanagan. Susan, do you wanna start us off? Sure. <laughs> That's actually the shortest answer I'm gonna give, um, so <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> I find it, I have a reaction to queer history in the Okanagan because that's actually my life. Um, it's not really 
history for me. I've lived this, <laughs> and they're my memories and my experiences and my friends and my community. Um, but I, and I have found that since No Glow had uh, disbanded, that they're really, and I left uh, just before No Glow disbanded, or a couple years before No Glow disbanded, and then I came back. And when I came back, I realized that there's been such an erasure of queer community here. And, and with that erasure comes um, an erasure of our history and, and our, our shared narrative. And um, so I'm very grateful that we're gathered and we're going to recollect that for ourselves. That's it. Thank you. Um, why queer history is important to me um, as a seal Okanagan person is that this history goes back so much longer than we even think. As a two-spirit person, my ancestors have been here since time immemorial, and we will be here until the end of time. Yep. Um, so one thing that's really important to me is that um, we have a word in our language for two-spirit and um, my heart protects that word because um, my identity as a two-spirit person has been um, people are just trying to pretend to be two-spirit uh, and they're white come on man um, so I protect this word and it's a part of my history and and my future and um, our language uh, in Silkshen doesn't have all of the typical gender in it like uh, other languages like English so when referring to people you don't refer to them as their gender first uh, you refer to people as people. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I love as someone who uses they, them pronouns. Um, it's hard out here um, using those pronouns for people to be like, oh, that's for uh, plural. And you're like, no, actually use it singular all the time without thinking about it. Um, anyways, <laughs> let me get back on track. Uh, why history is important to me um, is because um, <laughs> I think I said everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, why history is important to me is, is somewhat similar to Susan. It's, um, it's, it's my life. I grew up here. And uh, I also, it's important because it's my life work. It's, um, I've worked with youth uh, my whole life, and it's been a part of the work I've done in schools, and it's the work I continue to do in the community. So history is important because through history comes change. And working for change that's positive in our community is important because if we don't have that, then we're not progressing forward and we're not seeing change that's going to help those that come after us. And I think it's important to break barriers. I think it's important to make sure that attitudes um, continue to change 
um, so that we're not having to have the same problems that um, have been in the past. Um, growing up with things that, that were difficult, I don't want to see the same barriers for, for those that come behind, the youth that are behind. I don't want to continue to lose people that I love. Um, and I, I think that it's Im important that we have community and that we feel safe. And so that's why it's important to me. Thank you so much for, um, for answering that question. Uh, the second one that I have for you uh, all is what are some of your most memorable queer moments of living in the Okanagan? Uh, specifically, if there's any sorts of events, programs, or initiatives that stand out to you. So for those of you who don't know, um, we started with North Okanagan Gay Organization in 1989, and it became no glow after some fierce discussions and advocacy. Um, at the time, it the organize the originators and many of their male supporters didn't want to include the L, seeing that thinking that. The G was an umbrella term. And I just, I state that because <laughs> that's where we were in the early, in 1993. And now we are so comfortable with our acronym, our inclusive, our very long wraparound <laughs> way of <laughs> describing ourselves, which I suspect will only get longer, and I just so look forward to that. And. Um, <laughs> And, it's, and to look back at how hard we had to fight just for one letter. Um, but it was an incredibly active organization. Um, we had dances where 250, 300 people showed up every time. Um, we had drag shows that were sold out and um, artists from all over the province would come to perform. Um, we had film festival, we had picnics that were accompanied by a softball tournament because, you know, you know, <laughs> you know those queer women and picnics, you know, there's, there's going to be softball. Um, we had art exhibits, and we had a phone line, like an actual phone line, <laughs> that was for info and support. And one of the things that stands out for me is that I live in a community that I see people who are out and proud who first phoned that line struggling with coming out and needing support and doing that. And ah, here comes the emotion, like just how, at that time, how needed that was, um, a phone line like that. And one of the picnics was held at um, my and my partner's home and how moving it was to look out over our, our lawn and just see queers <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Um, and our Halloween dances, they were always my favorites because that was where, okay, I would say, of course I'm biased, that the queer women were better at softball, but the men <laughs> slayed the <laughs> Halloween dances. And uh, my favorite dance of all time. So you would judge, judge the costumes at midnight and there was a fellow who made like a, a levered closet and he wore that closet, he hung in <laughs> till midnight and then at midnight he burst out <laughs> of the closet and the closet just like exploded and there he was in this gay finery it was just such an awesome moment and he didn't even win 
You only got second because the person who won was a gay man who came as a peacock and he had created the, the hedge stuff, the long tail feathers out of videotape tape. It must have taken like months. It was absolutely gorgeous. And um, so I remember that and, and the drag shows. And, um, the f and the final thing that I'll say, and Susan's probably not going to pull this off without getting teary, but at our first art exhibit, it was opened by a person, a two-spirit person. I'm just going to call them MJ because I tried to track them down for permission to talk about this and say their name in public, but I wasn't able to track them down. And um, MJ performed a hoop dance, which is a, a dance that um, belongs to our southern um, uh, nations. And it is a dance that men perform and MJ was, at that time, female identified, and had spent years perfecting the hoop dance, and was, <laughs> I still remember, I remember it vividly, it was so beautiful. It was also the first time she got to perform it publicly, because there is no space for a female at that time to perform a hoop dance. And that was in 2002. And I'm so proud of our community. I'm proud of MJ. I'm proud of NoGlo for holding a safe enough space that that could happen. Because this year, we're still having that controversy in terms of what happened at Kamloopa and the gender binary being very entrenched. And um, But little old Vernon, back in 2002, <laughs> held space for MJ to be who she was. And uh, so that's a memorable moment for me. <laughs> Sorry, Don. <laughs> um, so a memorable time for me has been, um, oh, thank you. Um, I'm part of the South Okanagan Similkami and Pride Board. And this year, we put on the first uh, inaugural uh, Pride Arts Festival in Osuyas. Woo! Um, and I got to perform at it, and it was so fun. I did um, some storytelling. I took our chaptique, our traditional stories, and um, added queer characters. Uh, made them centered around queer characters because our chapter, um, all the queer characters have been taken out due to colonization and shame and re what happened in residential school. And um, I um, wanted those characters back in our story so that our young people will know that it's okay to be yourself and you are loved as you are. So I got to perform those, and I'm oh. also a drag king, uh, res daddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, drag has really helped me um, be more in touch with my masculine side, and that's a side of me that I didn't get to express growing up. Uh, so it's really important to me, and... Um, 
And another event that um, was great was, um, okay, which one? Oh, um, um, I've been doing drag at uh, Brexit and Penticton, and that's with the Okanagan Drag Collective. And it's just so cool having a space where we can bring queer people together in a town where I would have never imagined that happening. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and people just eating it up. That's the best part. And um, I think it's so amazing that we have um, friends of Dorothy in Kelowna now uh, have like a concrete space to just um, celebrate and watch shows, be entertained. And, um, yeah, those are some of my memories. <laughs> Thank you. Some of my memories are, are going back to some of the same time periods as Susan's. Um, I've gotten, I got to work um, at near the beginning of my career with Eric Kowalski, and, and we got to uh, work together with... Uh, Youth Glow, and uh, got to be the uh, uh, adult um, sort of co-workers doing, uh, working with teens um, out in the community. And then when Eric moved away, I uh, took that into schools and started the first uh, GSA in, uh, in our district. And uh, we did a lot of initiatives in the schools. Um, we did out, uh, we had out in schools come at one point in our third year of doing the Day in Silence. Um, at Seton and uh, we took it from having about I think our first year we had around a hundred kids and then we slowly worked that up to almost 250 kids participating out of a school of 700 wow. and uh, we convinced um, a lot of teachers to participate um, I did a lot of work with the BCTF um, working with them and got to help co-write um, one of their workshops because of the work that um, I was doing with the GSA. We did a lot of different groundbreaking work and um, I was of the mind of ask for forgiveness, not for permission, which is kind of <laughs> how I run my life. <laughs> and uh, we had tables at um, parent teacher night where we would spread out all the information for parents to come through just like we used to do with the kids at the school. And um, along that, where anytime we saw any kind of graffiti or any kind of homophobia that was happening in school, we took pictures and encouraged kids to take pictures and then I'd get them printed up and put them on posters and basically say to the parents and, and to staff, this is why we have a GSA. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, uh, there were things that were negative that of course happened in the, in the schools and in the community, but we persevered and we tr started to change hearts and mind and became a magnet school um, for kids. And that was important to me. And it was important to make that happen. And then when I had to go on medical leave, I started doing more of advocacy work in the community. And to this day, I still do that kind of work where I'm making sure that people know this is why we still have to do this work. And so when we have events in the community, whether it be somebody defacing the Rainbow Crosswalk or even questioning why we have it, mm -hmm. um, you know, we make sure that they know this is why and doing that kind of work. And it's why I'm even doing things like running for city council right now, 
because I want to break those ceilings. Because I want our community to, to know that we're still moving forward. And I want to make sure that our community is represented. And I want to make sure that youth know that we have visibility. And I think yeah. that that's so important. It's one of the things that drove me uh, as an educator throughout my whole career is to be seen by, by students. Because when we see other people in our community, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I had lots of kids and my best memories or kids saying, I didn't kill myself because you were there. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to have more people in our community be visible. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, yeah, those are my best <coughs> memories. So I think you've all touched on this a little bit, um, but I'm wondering if you can talk about how the queer community in the Okanagan has changed over the years. <laughs> well, in lots of ways, I would say it has regressed. Um, I was taken aback a bit um, when, in the Vernon Pride or organizing, you know, people had said, I can't believe there hasn't ever been a Pride before. And it was like, oh my God, we never even talked about it. It wasn't a thought because we were so out in the community and we were so busy. <laughs> <laughs> and we were gathering all the time <laughs> that it just didn't feel like a need. And But there's a need now, um, big time. And uh, although I do want to say, you know, uh, um, an exception to that is the really strong work that's happening at the Family Resource Center, that queer-specific, queer-informed support service is happening there, which we didn't have in Vernon before. And so that's a <laughs> some shining light, for sure, in our community. But one change, I remember Noglo decided to give, take several thousand dollars and buy queer-specific books to donate to the public library. We did that because there was almost nothing in the public library. So I remember showing up with boxes and boxes of books and giving them to the li head librarian and, and being a little worried that they wouldn't be cataloged, wouldn't be put on the shelves. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And she said to me, you know, you didn't have to buy these. You could have just requested us to buy these books. And I have to say at the time I thought, fat chance, mm -hmm. because if that's truly how you felt, these books would already be mm -hmm. on your shelves. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we were. And now, <laughs> you know, the library rocks. You know, like <laughs> there's, there's all these queer books, there's a breadth of, of queer identity represented on the shelves, and um, some pretty strong queer specific programming. Um, but that's definitely not where we were in the uh, early 2000s, for sure. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say there. Oh, sorry, I, s I forgot it was my turn next. <laughs> um, I, um, I personally think that um, things are changing for the better in where I'm living. Um, I grew up in this milk mean and 
there was one person that I knew that was out. And um, now across from the um, school that I went to as a child, there is a whole huge mural with two women that are, um, that obviously love each other. Um, and um, planets with um, the pride flags on them. And it was done by Shiana Allison, um, a community member of ours uh, from the Lower Smoke Mean Indian Band. Um, and someone actually defaced it and wrote lesbian on it as it was being drawn. It's like, oh my goodness. But anyway, um, I think things like that are happening in our community. And... Um, and being two-spirit is feeling a lot safer because um, because mm -hmm. other people in indigenous communities are coming out more now. And um, I uh, did a article with Indigenews and uh, the quote that they ended up using was, I came out because you came out. Mm -hmm. And it was around a story of I was at the bar and this younger person, native, um, came up to me and they were like, I had the courage to come out because I saw you were out. And, um, and I started crying in the bar <laughs> after she left because I was like, oh my goodness, uh, just being myself is just spreading waves in my community and I just feel so proud that I had um, the courage to do this for myself um, yeah. and for my community. And um, we put on uh, our second annual uh, Lower Samokamean Indian Band Pride um, in wow. Karameas. Wow. And um, wow. that's the Indian band putting it on. That's not the Holy. town. Holy. Yeah, so um, that was major. Like, yeah, not a lot of our um, actual like members came out, but people from the town came out, and uh, we had a round dance with everyone. So I think, um, yeah, for me, things are changing for the better. I think for. Um, how has the queer community changed over the years? I think for one, we see the queer community now in life uh, in general. I mean, growing up here uh, as a child, um, for one thing, all I saw was the only queer community I saw was on television and it scared me because mm -hmm. I thought I'm different and I'm gonna die of AIDS. Mm -hmm. And that's what I grew up with. And it wasn't until I started getting older and then I saw an organization like No Glow and I realized I could go and find community. The only other place I was told to go and get it was out in Vancouver and elsewhere. And that was the only place you could go. And, and most of the high school counselors were like, you know, don't tell anybody, just leave. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's changed. So part of what's changed is we actually see more store owners now that are openly out. 
Um, whereas back then there was there's one brave soul. <laughs> yes. There was Dora. Dora. And, and that was it. And, and who dared to fly the flag, literally. Yeah. And and that was literally it in, in our community. And now um, we have store owners that are also um, allies willing to put the flags on their doors and say, you are welcome here. And so we see community in many other places. And I think that, that has changed a lot. Um, as a child, I, I used to get things thrown at me from cars and people misgendering me and not knowing why, because I, I, I wasn't quite sure. But, you know, this sense of community is different. And and while some of the changes are, are I miss the dances and I, and I miss that sense of being able to find that special place a little bit, it's also nice to be able to just walk down the street hand in hand with somebody if I want to and to be able to feel safe in my community for the most part. Um, you know, there's obviously times when it's still problematic and it certainly doesn't feel safe for some people, but I feel like queer community in general is more accepted than not. And I think that that's something there's, there's been growth in. And we of course need to do more. We need to have more systematic change and we need to have more um, change within our community where, um, some of the public needs to understand that no we're not going anywhere <laughs> and we need to have people still understand that that the best route for us is not back in the closet um, but overall in terms of the community it's nice to be able to see people reflected everywhere mm -hmm. and to know that that people are here and i see you and you see me and to have that acknowledgement everywhere versus growing up as a child and thinking I'm going to die a horrible death and how can I be this way? And I want other youth to see that and know that. And, and that is something I think that has been a very positive change over the years um, for this area, especially known as some place that has used to be just this um, place that was a Bible belt that was supposedly very conservative and very hateful. And I don't think that's the place anymore. I think we have a lot of very open-minded people that are accepting and loving. And I like that, that change that's come. And so for me, that's the perspective that I've seen. And I just want to add to that, that um, and all of us have um, our own individual unique experience, but in the 90s in Vernon, I was, very out publicly with my partner holding hands down the street of Vernon and um, fortu <coughs> fortunate I never never ever did we receive any outward homophobia and this we all both quipped about Dora's uh, Dora was <coughs> is a, a character <laughs> mm -hmm. and she ran a restaurant um, kind of nightclub. It was a restaurant, <laughs> but <laughs> rules are meant to be fluid and um and it bands. It <laughs> bands. Uh so live music every uh Friday night for sure. And uh it was known as a queer hangout and allies would come and it was packed every weekend. And I remember never once being concerned about leaving Pandora's at two in the morning and heading to our cars, knowing everyone knowing this is the queer hangout place. And I and not to say, I, it's certainly people have ex had different experiences. I, I don't want to minimize that. But there's something quite unique about Vernon <laughs> in that it was never vandalized, it was never graffitied, Pandora's. Mm -hmm. 
Um, no one was ever, to my knowledge, if you know differently, tell me, Don, no one was ever harmed by hanging out at Pandora. Not there. I mean, I've had my vehicle vandalized in other places, but right. for that. But yes, not there necessarily. So yeah. I think it's it's a mixed it's bag of experiences. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I wish we had that still. <laughs> places like that. Um, so the last question that I have for you is, what does the queer future of the Okanagan look like? <laughs> Well, I want to say that I have learned and unlearned more in the last five years about gender than I did the 20 years before, and I suspect that our future is going to be so much more learning and unlearning about gender, and I welcome that wholeheartedly. Um, I have worked for a long time as a counselor, and. Um, a couple of years ago, I was seeing two young women who were sisters, seeing them separately as clients, and each of them, their best friend, had come out as trans. And just at some point, I just inquired with them about, oh, you know, how was that, you know, your friend coming out? <laughs> and each of them looked at me like there was this long pause, and they looked at me as if I was a complete weirdo. <laughs> and they said, fine, it's who they are. And I think that's our future. Mm -hmm. It's who they are. Um, I do want the return of 300 plus events. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I want it at Paddle Wheel Park Hall because <laughs> <laughs> we deserve gorgeous venues. <laughs> and Vernon Pride, that broke all the rules, broke every organizing rule known to humankind. <laughs> but was such a smashing success in terms of grassroots organization, showed me that there's a deep want in our community for more. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know, Eric and I were talking about that, like, you know, maybe with the online stuff, maybe what we were doing back in the day isn't needed anymore. And Vernon Pride showed me I was, no, that's not true. <laughs> so, okay. So I hope our future is packed drag shows <laughs> with artists from all over the province and not just dances but to come back to the art exhibits and come back to mm -hmm. the film festivals and well we are doing film at town theater but yeah mm -hmm. I'll shut up <laughs> thank you um I want to see um queerness in every museum yeah um <laughs> every library um I want storefronts to like just scream, you're welcome here. Um, I want specifically two-spirit people um, to have, well, I don't know if this is even possible, but I wish that we could have our words back for being two-spirit in our language. I don't know if it's possible for every nation, but I wish that, and um, I wish that our communities, um, our indigenous communities, um, would return to um, being more inclusive of um, to us LGBTQIA plus people, and um, and that's that's a big one for me, um, and. I think that's all. Yeah, that's 
what I would like to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. <laughs> if I had a dream, it would be just for everyone to be safe and included and to have equity and yeah, just I, I share the dream of my other two uh, um, colleagues up here and yeah, honestly, I just, I want to make sure that um, in the Okanagan that, that we continue to, again, just progress and move forward. And I want to make sure that youth um, have more opportunity than we've had before. That's, that's really what I, I dream for is that, you know, those that come after um, don't have the same struggles or problems that we've had yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, that we can continue to lead the way for that. Yeah. And two spirit dances at powwows. <laughs> yes, yes. I forgot to say that. <laughs> at every powwow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I'm I'm kind of speechless, which is something you don't want to be when you're a podcast host. <laughs> um, but I just really want to say that I appreciate each of you for sharing your stories. Um, so much. Um, I just, we will move into the Q&A, but first I just want to give one last chance if there's anything you felt like you didn't get a chance to say, any um, upcoming events or news that you want to share with the people here. Um, no pressure if not, but. Well, this coming Tuesday is um, Queer Tuesday at Town Theatre, and so um, Moonlight is being shown, um, which if you've seen it once, it's a movie that deserves to be seen two or three times and deeply moving. Um, we're having a reception, hang out with some music at 6.30, and the movie is at 7.30. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. At <laughs> mother.girth, um, that's my burlesque name, um, or res.daddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for any upcoming shows I post on there. Cool. Make sure you get out and vote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can vote in the city of Vernon <laughs> on the 12th, the 13th, or general voting day is on the 15th. Please vote for me. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to no, say. No, yeah. yeah. Use the space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us today, and thank you all for listening to the Okanagan Queer Story podcast, uncovering the queer history of the Okanagan, one story at a time. Hosted and edited by Donna Langell. Produced by Donna Langell, Tasha Jarrett, and James Sieben. The theme song is Never Sleep by Ryan Anderson.